Now listening to Real Friends, a movie podcast. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of Podcastination. With... <laughs> I just made up a word. Welcome to Real Friends, a movie podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Madison. Welcome to episode 44, everybody. 44 and not a bore. Wow. These are getting better with age and time. I know. Just like me, I had a birthday. <laughs> you did have a birthday and you are definitely not a bore. How do you feel? Thanks, Madison. Do you feel older and wiser? I feel 32 and it's feeling blue. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I'm just rhyming for the sake of rhyming. No, feeling good, feeling completely normal. And that's about it. This is How your are you doing? double 16 candles birthday. John, oh, I should watch 16 Candles. A John hughes anniversary, if you will. I will. <laughs> did you watch anything new this week? I didn't ask you. Oh, I actually do have two things to talk about that I did watch this week. New movie that I saw in theaters called Watcher, starring mm. Micah Monroe. Really great little psychological thriller. Am I crazy or is there someone watching me? Fun. Super good. I'm sure it's going to be streaming if it's not already. I'm sure it's going to be streaming like super soon, but very fun highly recommend and on the other side of the spectrum the other thing i watched is i was home the other day and i was trying to bake some sourdough bread it went really poorly i don't want to talk about it oh and i went to go on hbo to finish the staircase series and then i was like i don't know if i feel oh yes and so instead what i put on so i was like i'm gonna watch the new fantastic beasts movie I'm going to surprise myself and watch it because I had no interest in watching it. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's such a cursed, doomed series. And I put it on and it was pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> I, we also started it the other day because we're like, oh, it's new and it's on. Yeah. And then we were like, we're not in the mood right now. So we turned it off and haven't gone back since. Yeah. So you are telling me that you have not seen The North Bin yet, nor have you seen Top Gun Maverick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Shit, I should have watched it's The okay. North Bin. I'm No, sorry. it's okay. I was just I was just asking for the sake of having the conversation because I, I, like I said last time, I can't talk about it with like with you until you watch it obviously god but i haven't watched anything new but i keep watching trailers for this movie which i'm sure you'll probably see the black phone yeah ethan ethan hawk yeah yeah with ethan and i want to watch that so bad oh my well first of all yes for multiple reasons one it just looks like fucking scary which is fun yeah two ethan hawk three this reminds me i saw something i'm sure you've seen this because you're on tiktok Someone tweeted, did you guys know the guy from Moon Knight is Maya Hawke's dad? And I was like, like fucking, <laughs> I, I did see that too. And I was like, you youths. That fucking youths. I was like, what? Fucking youths, dude. It's like when people, it's like when this is like a really like random note, but there was like that song that came out with like Kanye West, Rihanna and Paul McCartney. That's like. I think I had enough. It's I don't remember song. the name of it. And people are like, wow, really cool for like Rihanna and Kanye to give this like old elderly guitarist a chance in like pop culture. And I was like, God damn it. That's what Ethan Hawke and Paul McCartney need. It's those those men just yeah. like need Hollywood support to, you know. Yeah. Good for Ethan. Really branching out. God bless him. <laughs> but you would say that Ethan Hawke often plays um a good man and a good role model and he so does. i think on that note emily mm-hmm. what are we talking about today i'm sorry was that the best transition we've ever had <laughs> on this podcast probably <laughs> madison 
today we're talking about questionable adult role models and this <laughs> this this list is extensive so i would say questionable can also be synonymous with unconventional mm-hmm. where normally what we see is a very unconventional relationship between an adult and a child and we are automatically uh, hesitant to think that this is going to have an impact on that child for the better or for worse but then at the end it always comes around and you realize oh the child actually does end up learning a valuable life lesson from this role model i love your definition <laughs> and my i'm laughing preemptively because a lot of my list is just simply bad role models but now that you yeah. put this out there i'm going to try to give them a redemptive quality each of these people on my list <laughs> a redemptive quality no matter how how silly it is i feel like there's always something where you're like okay i guess that makes sense challenge accepted <laughs> when i was thinking of my list the only relationships that i like role models that i came up with were male relationships like a male like a like a like a boy and like an adult man which i thought was very interesting and i was like picking my brain to be like is there another one but i couldn't really think of another example so i do have two females on my list good okay i'd love to hear them so let's let's start with you what what are some of your examples okay so just to reiterate (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait to hear these these are these are now becoming bad role models who I am going to give redemptive qualities to. So we're going to start off real hot here with Jack Torrance in The Shining. Wow. <laughs> who attempts to murder his whole family. Father figure. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I, I did make this list, I will say. I made this list as a list of some who are blatantly just bad. The, I'm not yeah. questioning anything. Which I think is great. Which I think this, you know, the genres are always up for interpretation. Conversely, I did not choose uh, relationships and role models for people who are related. So again, Ooh, okay. this I, is going to be fun. I chose, okay. I chose quite a few of those. Okay, so. But they can, but they, but they can go together. Like, of course, like a, a role model yeah. to me in my real life, my mom. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it can go hand in hand. Totally. Okay. I did choose a lot of parents, but here we go. This is fun. <laughs> I didn't expect this us to fun. go this different with this genre. Um. This is why we have the podcast. But, you know, Jack Torrance also, you know, gave... It wasn't his fault. He was possessed by some ghosts and his own demons. Well, I think that Jack Torrance later, his tragic end helped Danny overcome his alcohol addictions uh, addictions and Dr. Sleep. That's what I think. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Okay, so that's a redeeming arc for Jack Torrance. Uh, Zoom in down my list. Uh, Adam Sandler and Big Daddy. Great. Which I think adheres quite well to what you were saying. Easy redemptive arc there. Don't even need to speak to that. Here's one. How about Bill to BB in Kill Bill? Yeah, dude. Holy shit. Isn't it weird that he was just like raising that child? Like, I was going to say a la carte, like by himself. (laughs) A la carte. A la parenting carte. He. This might be controversial too. I think that Bill is like a really good parent. (laughs) Minus like all the murder and stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, that doesn't affect BB. Like, that's just, he, like, is a good daddy to BB. Yeah, BB's chill as Insane, hell. you know? Yeah. So, not just bad, but cool. questionable. Yeah, very questionable. Very questionable. Um, Next up, I hope you have this on your list. The Trunchbull in Matilda. Oh, no, I do not. Is she a role model to any of these people? Would she, you should, say? she should be, right? A school principal okay. should be a, a role model. 
Right. I feel like Danny DeVito is like that's my role model. The wormwoods. The, the wormwoods. I feel like the wormwoods yeah. could go. All any of the adults besides Miss Honey in yeah. Matilda. Yeah. Including the detectives. Roll, classic roll doll. Classic. <laughs> 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 okay. Next up, my biggest stretch. Now that this genre it has more of a definition, Darth <laughs> Vader in Star Wars. <laughs> Not a yeah. role model. I was more thinking not a very good dad, but. No, but he also like tries to get Luke to, you know, come to the dark side and follow him. He's like, L- listen up, look at me. I'm like the epitome of like badass dark side bad baddies. Right. He certainly has influence. Yeah. But Luke's too strong. Luke's too strong. Luke's too strong. Luke really did. He did have an internal struggle, though. So we will give that to Luke. He was he was very torn up about that. Yeah. Well, and then his beautiful arc ended in the 2016 masterpiece, The Last Jedi. Anyway, Next we're going to go on. Anything else? <laughs> and <laughs> rounding out my list, uh, classic <laughs> is Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> And that is my list of questionable adult That's role funny. models in film. But now I'm excited for your list because we clearly went two very different directions. And yep. I, I don't know how successful my list was. So please hit me. Mine, mine very quick, very easy. But we're going to start it off strong with mm-hmm. the very obvious answer. The movie Role Models yep. with Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott. I love that movie. You do love that movie. I've only watched it with you. It's so good. Fantastic film. And of course, everybody finds out that in the end they are actually connected to these role models because even though they're kind of fucked up and unconventional they still learn something from them at the end of the day mm-hmm. and everybody's happy mm-hmm. um second one one of my other personal favorite movies bad words with jason bateman yes oh great yep. one and he's you know advising little chachanya chopra so sweet and then they get into the fight but at the end they both learn from each other everybody's happy mm-hmm. um he teaches him how to be a kid and then it's great um, and then rounding it off, a little uh, random movie that I really enjoyed, St. Vincent with Bill Murray. And Jim. And the kid from It. Yeah. yeah he's amazing. I love, I love that child actor. He's fantastic. So that's another one which I thought was very heartwarming and sweet. Good one. Um, but Madison, we had a, a, a good handful of fucking hilarious <laughs> user-submitted answers that like are probably some of my favorite because I think they totally came out of the blue for both you and I to read these answers. So let's get started. Do you want to kick it off or would you like me to? I would love to. This list makes me laugh so much because it's so good. You went one direction, I went another, and it just seems that our listeners went into a different stratosphere of answers. So <laughs> my favorite submission from at Chaz M Club submitted Santa Claus. So, like, in any movie, in, question mark? In any movie. Let's break this down. Let's let's break this down. So, the ans- the submission here is Santa Claus being a questionable adult role put, model. I didn't tell you this, but he just said Santa Claus, and I put my uh, my additional commentary in as a... <laughs> that was my question. I was like, so in any movie? Sure. <laughs> right, like, what... we? I'm just going to let that... You know what? I don't even think we need to we'll dig into it. it. Let's let that let's no. let that fester, and we'll we'll come back to it if we need to. I agree. What else? Uh, second up, we have uh, our good friend Paulina. Hi, Paulina. She submitted Geppetto from Pinocchio, 
And Paulina's commentary was, so he had one wish from the Blue Fairy and he just like randomly chose for a young boy. <laughs> good point. Good point. Paulina, I will say though that Geppetto is a good father figure and role model to Pinocchio. He did go, he went after him. He got swallowed up by Monstro. He like went to the sea to look for his son. Very, I'm, very heartwarming. I'm kind of with Paulina on this one. And I like yeah, that Paulina's okay. been like stewing on this. And I'd like to think that we put up this question bar- box and Paulina was like, yeah, finally I can oh, talk man. about Geppetto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Geppetto. Poor Geppetto. Um, next up we have from our real friend, Irene, Rachel from Something Borrowed. I have not seen that movie, so I do not know the context, but I would trust Irene with my life. So, same, yeah, I trust it. And this is my favorite, my favorite <laughs> submission. Next up, we have Rachel who wrote Hitler and Jojo Rabbit. Yes, one thousand percent. That is a questionable, a motherfucking questionable ass role model. Absolutely. But his Jojo's little imaginary friend Hitler who keeps offering him cigarettes. Yes, it's very questionable. Here's what's funny is that Chaz up top submitted Santa Claus with no reference point, which is hilarious because yep. there's a lot of movies in which you could argue Santa Claus is the <laughs> ultimate role model, and there's somewhere you could be like, oh yeah, yeah like. I guess bad Santa. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But what's funny mm-hmm. to me is that Rachel specified Hitler in Jojo in Rabbit Jojo as Rabbit. if there would be any other movie in which Hitler was potentially a positive <laughs> and total model. So good. Really? This is why we ask the questions to our people. So they give us these beautiful answers like this. Bless, um, bless them. But Madison, let me tell you what we're talking about today. Oh, I'd Again, love to hear it. Going back, touching on the roll doll of it all. Today we are talking about the 1971 classic film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Woo! The suspense is terrible. I hope it'll last. This film was directed by Mel Stewart. It is, of course, as we know, a lot of people have grown up with this book, but it's based off the 1964 book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, written by Roald Dahl. Uh, This film stars the iconic Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, Peter Ostrom as Charlie Bucket, and Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe. So if you don't know, this movie is about a poor but hopeful boy who seeks one of the five coveted golden tickets that will send him on a tour of Willy Wonka's mysterious chocolate factory. So Madison, tell me a little bit about your background with this movie as I let my cat in because she's yelling at me from the door. Banks, enter. My history with this movie, I'd like to think, is very similar to probably the vast majority of children's experience with this movie. Um, can't remember, can't even remember the first time I've watched it. Couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it. It's it's innumerable. Always watched with copious amounts of junk food. It's one of those ones as an adult where you're like. It's so visceral that rewatching it, it just like really takes you back to experiencing that movie as a child, which I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for. And I also just remember like the sheer hold that like the actual brand of Willy Wonka chocolates had over me as a child. Do you remember when they like sold those in stores yeah. and like some of oh, them did have a golden yeah. ticket, which you could actually win a prize with? And the chocolate was, like, pretty shitty, but, like, you kept getting it for the novelty of it all. And I just remember every time my parents would, like, take me to, like, a candy store or would, we would ever get one of those chocolates, I remember having to, like, walk, like, walk away and, like, open it in private. Like, like it was just such a <gasps> Like Charlie to, like, does in the movie. Right, and you really slowly open it so that if you did get that golden ticket, you could genuinely react 
right? And you hear like the penny whistle in the background, like, and then you're, and then you run through the grocery store showing your parents who are like, I, what is this? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, the, that, that shit was what dreams were made of, was that moment. Agreed. Do you have a favorite, like a Wonka chocolate, like treat like that? I have an answer for mine, but I'm wondering if there's like a Wonka product that you love. Like f- that they actually sold or for, like something I'd like to try from the movie? Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the latter is for later. <laughs> oh. Uh, but and, like I love a nerd's rope. Oh. Like nerds rope are Wonka technically like a Wonka branded. I think it's Nestle. Yeah, candy item, delicious, delicious. Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I need to do research about what is under the Wonka yeah. umbrella because I do because the like, Wonka chocolate was gross. I think it was kind of like chalky, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would I would opt for maybe a nerds rope. I don't know. As a kid, it was yeah. definitely uh, those the chocolate bars just for the golden ticket of it all. But. Yeah. Exactly. But it, it's been a long time. But what it, I want to hear, I mean, we love this movie. We reference it all the time, but I don't think we've mm-hmm. ever talked about our beginnings. So I want to hear why you chose we it. We haven't. My background of this movie, of course, which is actually interesting because in my research, I found out that the box office for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was like so-so. It was like well rece- like well-received at the time, but it wasn't like a crazy movie that people like flocked to go see. Right. Big VHS hit exactly Mm -hmm. so i think it was popular for i think it got nominated for like one maybe two academy awards but yeah it got popular once the you know the in-home sales started coming out and then once uh tv channels started playing this movie on cable that's when it really blew up and started getting its cult following i'm one of those people so i think that's it got more popular in the 80s and 90s so when katie and i were little hello katie uh my sister we uh, it would play on like ABC Family, so we had a VHS tape that we put in to record. You remember how you can record uh, whatever was on cable on your VHS? So you just had to push the record button. So we recorded the show, sorry, the movie from ABC Family. So it's so weird growing up and watching the movie now in completion. Me just being like, that's where the commercial break was. That's where the commercial break was. They cut that out from like they cut out the entire tunnel boat scene from tv wait so you did not grow up you did not grow up with that scene i did because i saw it like when i was younger because we also of course had like the dvd version of it it eventually but yeah but i it would traumatize me by the way we already talked about traumatizing scenes when we were children in cinema which this was definitely one of them Mm -hmm. that fucking like centipede crawling on that guy's face Mm -hmm. not okay Mm -hmm. um not okay but yeah so so and i would say that uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is like probably one of like my top movies of all time. Like if I could take a small handful of movies with me, like this would make it. This is in. a this is Desert Island movie. It's Desert Island movie, yeah, for sure. It's a comfort movie. I love it. It's short. Yeah. The music fucking pops, and it's so good. Um, so that's my kind of like background on it. But with that being said, do you want to do the the quote game? I'd love to do the quote game. I'm ready. Okay. Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Help the police terrible. murder. I hope it'll last. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one too. <laughs> He's genius. He's genius. Can I say my other one that I really like just because I wanted to say it out loud? Please. 
A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest men. <laughs> I'm such a fucking freak. <laughs> I really liked learning, speaking of both of the things you just said, how much um, improv there was from Gene Wilder in this movie, which of course makes Incredible. sense. But it's like everything you're hearing seems like it was something that's written by Rule Dahl. So I, it was, it's not a movie that I would anticipate a lot of improv from, but there was quite a lot from mm-hmm. Gene Wilder, which is so fun. Right. And we can get into it a little bit if you'd like to hear Let's. more about it right now. So I think we can all, we can start at the top of this by just stating the fact that uh, Roald Dahl was not a fan of this movie. <laughs> he just... He, like, disowned it completely because he was signed on to write the first pass of the screenplay for this movie, but he did not produce anything, Um, and then eventually David Seltzer came in to do a rewrite of the whole movie, and like you're saying, too, of course, like, when we watch the film now, there was a lot of improvisation by Gene Wilder in the film to make it more creative, Um, so Roald Dahl just saw the version of the film and was like, this is not my book which we know now like if you've read the book it's very different so like there's a lot of creative differences that we, they made in this movie like for example in the book charlie bucket's dad is alive in this movie he has passed away there's a lot of changes that happened in the making of the movie mm-hmm. um but that's why roald Dahl refused to give the rights to the sequel which is called charlie and the Gl- great glass elevator mm-hmm. which also leads me to believe <laughs> so w- when the tim burton film got remade Ugh. the one with johnny depp so his so Roald Dahl's estate greenlit that movie. They said, sure, it's fine. How fucking pissed do you think Roald Dahl is? He's like rolling in his grave. He's rolling. He's rolling in his grave <laughs> with both of these movies. He's like, this is not what I wanted. These are different. I'm actually really glad that we're starting here because 100% he must be pissed because I'm pissed. Like people are pissed. I genuinely yeah. don't trust people who like the Tim Burton Charlie and the yeah, Chocolate Factory adaptation. But it's, int- and I do have kind of a question, a follow-up question to you on what you just posed is, I know we and most people are in the vein of like, if something's great, don't touch it. Like, yep. it's, it's it's hard to hear things are being remade, even if it's something you're excited about. That said, this movie came out in 71. Do you think that there is space in our lifetime for a faithful adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? like a faithful adaptation of the book or do you not want it? I don't think I need it. Yeah. I th- another category that we've talked about covering on this podcast is our movies that are better than the book. My favorite example, The Notebook. I think the movie is a lot better than the book in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that this is different. It's like a reimagining for sure because it's it takes, you know, the bones of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, makes it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Um and Again, the Tim Burton version, I could have gone without. The, the Timothy Chalamet version that's coming out, I guess you can call it a prequel. That I would love to see. I, I think that would be fun. You forgot that, that is happening. <laughs> oh my mm-hmm. God. I completely forgot when preparing for this episode that that yep. movie is happening. But that I will watch because one, of course, we are big Timmy fans on Real Friends and Movie podcast. Yeah. And also, I'm a fan of, I will watch something if it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, I would love to see where Willy Wonka came from before he created his chocolate factory. I would like to see that. How do you feel about the fact that that adaptation is a musical? Timmy will be singing. I'm cool with it. 
I'm very, you know how I feel about a musical. Yeah. I didn't know it was a musical until you just told me right now, but I think I'd be okay with it. I could have been okay with it even if it wasn't a musical. I'm, here's where I'm kind of sitting on, on the Timmy prequel is I'm in, but if literally if it was anyone but Timmy, I would think it was the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. If it was like Ansel Elgort or something. I'd want to kill someone. <laughs> with the use of his dead fun. eyes as my superpower. Yeah. But yeah, um, I do feel I feel like Timmy has been really um choosy about his projects. So I would like to hope right. that there is something in this script that really made him like, hell yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it'll be really good. What are your opinions on it? Are you do you what do you think about the whole background of it all? I guess my answer changes now that I remember that there is a prequel coming because I actually was going to take the side that I love this movie, but I think it's different enough from the source material and it's been enough time where I do think that there is space, not any time in the next decade, but sometime in our lifetime, certainly for them there to be like a really faithful, wonderful adaptation of, I think, what Wooldahl was envisioning with his book Mm -hmm. that probably wouldn't even step on the toes of the 71 version and would maybe help just erase the Tim Burton version completely aside from TikTok sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Good morning. It's like, good morning, starshine. (laughs) But I also think with that being said, I think I was biased when I was reading the book because I watched the movie before I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So when I was a small child in elementary school reading this book, in my mind, I was picturing and trying to translate the movie characters and the movie into the book. So that's probably why I did not enjoy the book as much as I might have if I read it first. Sure. Um, But I digress. I I still think that this film is a work of art and I've grown up with it and I love it so much. But I want to give you a brief background as to why the title is different as well, because I didn't know this initially. But as we know, the book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This movie that we're discussing today is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So the idea for adapting this book into a film came from director Mel Stewart's daughter, who read the book by Roald Dahl and said that she wants her dad to make this a movie. So coincidentally, Mel Stewart's friend is named producer... David L. Walper. So at the exact same time that his daughter read this book and said, hello, dad, please make this a movie. David, uh, who is the producer on the movie, was in the midst of a deal and a discussion with the Quaker Oats company. And Quaker Oats was actually the ones who were like, we're actually developing a new candy bar. We want to name it the Wonka bar, you know, based off the book. Let's make a movie time to release of the same time as the candy bar. So it's like a huge promotional deal, Fucking. which is kind of weird. Yeah. Right. That's so like, 70s, but also like, yeah, that's crazy that the Quaker Oats was running the yes. industry. Go on. And they're like, let's do Quaker. And it's funny now that obviously, like, as time has gone by, like, nobody talks about the candy bar company or, like, the candy bar, the Wonka bar. They're talking about the movie. So it's like the movie really excelled in this space, whereas the candy bar was kind of like, eh, it's kind of like a shitty candy bar. But I will say, I don't, I don't know what, where the Nestle comes in of all of it, too. But, like, if you're a child and you remember getting the golden ticket, that's your connection to the movie and saying, wow. I have a piece of this like cinematic history as a child that I'm experiencing in real life 
that's so cool. I can get my own Wonka bar. Like normally there's so many movies that I watch nowadays. I'm like, if only I could have that thing, like the limitless pill or like anything <laughs> in that chocolate, like candy room in Willy Wonka. Like I'd be so stoked. that I'm like, I just want to reach in and grab that like experiment and like have that in real life. Wait, both um, of us stew on this to answer at the end of the episode. If you could have. Oh, fuck. If you could mic TV thing. and reach in and take anything yes, out of the TV exactly, in any movie, exactly. what would you choose? Think about We're it. We're going to ask that at the end of the episode. Hold on, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Question. That's a really good point. I just liked that your two options there were either chocolate bar or the limitless, or the limitless pill. Or the limitless pill. I need that. Like, it's like essential. Like, I, I want it. But. Also, kind of a good transition. Speaking of the Mike TV of it all, yeah, Madison. Yes, you know when they go into that chocolate room, that whole room where all the candy is. Yes. Wait, like the first room? What? Yes, the first room. Yeah. So, what item out of anything in that room would you want to eat? I mean, that's like the ultimate. First of all, I just got goosebumps. Second of all, that's like the ultimate question, right? Like you ask, that's the first thing you ask yourself as a child watching this movie when they do that wide shot and you can see everything Mm -hmm. in the room. Like if you as a child were not sitting on the couch, like where would I fucking map out my course? Like where would I go first? Like that's. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. (laughs) That whole sequence is perfect. And I would just like to say before I answer your question. And before they all disperse into going mm-hmm. and enjoying, I would just like to say really quick that the score of this movie is so genius, but specifically the score as they are waiting at the top of the stairs before they descend mm-hmm. into this like chocolate kingdom of goodness. It's like, I-, I just like to play a clip of it really quick because it's so childlike and it's also so suspenseful and creepy. Right. And it's not something that bothers you or disturbs you in an obvious way, especially as a child. But uh, let's listen to these these low notes and these barrow tones in the Willie Wonka and the Chocolate Factory score. <laughs> Fucking creepy. Like, if you change <laughs> two of those notes, you have, like, the Jaws theme. Right. It's unset. You're right. I've never actually thought about that before but it is slightly unsettling yes but also makes you feel comfortable at the same time yes so I would just like to say I love that score for right before we descend into what is literally any child's dream <laughs> and to- dream slash nightmare <laughs> exactly <'Cause laughs> further on we go thing. yeah I don't know why but the big giant mushroom thing that has like the with creamy the cream? top. Yeah, that Mike TV's mm-hmm. mom totally is eating. Yes. That has always yes. been something where I'm like, I'd like to taste that. I love that. So I, I love it. And I also love the use of like practical props. And like when he's like walking down the path and he's kicking what are quite obviously just multicolored <laughs> balloons, like tie-dyed balloons. I'm like, no, you're not fooling anybody with that. Yeah. But but everything in the room was actually not everything, but like everything that feasibly could have been edible in the room. Yeah. was edible except for those little like honey cups that we see um right Willy Wonka drinking out of were made of wax well, which makes sense I-, I love when Violet is eating like she's eating something and then he like hits a like what a giant gummy bear and she just <laughs> yeah. like takes a bite out of the air I was like fuck yeah that looks so delicious is that your I'm choice also with you no I'm also with you on the mushroom but my answer before I learned about this fun fact was that like little buttercup flower 
that he eats at the end. Yeah. And I didn't know this, but here you can say it because you met, you alluded to it earlier. Oh, that that this cup was made of wax and after every take yep. he had to spit it out. That is disappointing to learn because I think you're watching that and, and it, you can just tell it's a texture that isn't feasible to anything you've ever eaten so you're like what is that i feel thing? like it's like a wafer or like a cookie kind of like like a wafer like a you know something thin and it sounds so delicious like whoever did the foley for that it yeah. just sounded so crunchy you love and a delicious. good foley. I was like i do love foley we can talk about foley at some point too but it was i was like oh that looks so good but i didn't know that it was wax when i was a kid watching i'm like wow that's just you know something that's like a wafer cookie you know yeah. like it looks so good and that was it yeah no it's not it's it not, not it's wax <laughs> but he but you know what gene wilder commits speaking of gene wilder yeah let's talk about some of the questionable shit <laughs> that is going on in this movie i want to backtrack a little bit yeah because i want to touch upon a very controversial character in this film oh god who is a role model to charlie and this man is grandpa joe yeah where do you stand on grandpa joe because i know that the world has since like condemned this man (laughs) but what do you think about him because he is i do think he's actually a good role model to charlie like he's probably one of the younger of the grandparents i feel like he connects with charlie the most he's probably the most um spry he is the most spry out of all four of the grandparents but what do you what are your thoughts what's your take on grandpa joe i mean he's fucking spry when all of a sudden there's candy involved then all of a sudden he's spry (laughs) um quote (laughs) no i when you chose this title willy wonka and the chocolate factory and other questionable adult role models for me willy wonka is not the question mark here grandpa joe is the question mark i think this guy is the worst for two reasons one the obvious which is homeboy was bedridden until all of a sudden he got a free trip to the fucking chocolate factory and then he was like oh <laughs> look at that my legs is working look at me <laughs> if i was charlie's mom i'd be like um you can skip the fucking chocolate factory i'm gonna fucking go because i've been fucking paying your rent for the last however many years you Madison. can get your ass out of bed and go work in the factory i've been working in every day I have that same exact <laughs> note, like slightly different verbiage, but you're 1000% correct. But here's who I actually blame. On the flip side, I don't condemn Grandpa Joe. I was like, if I were in Grandpa Joe's position, I'm bedridden, and that opportunity came by, I'd probably do the same thing. I'm like, well, I might as well try to get out of bed now. Yes, it's shitty that he has not been up helping out for years, probably before this. That was Grandpa but Joe on his fucking motorcycle. Very angry. Still alive based right. off of Charlie's fucking chocolate rum, rum. inheritance. Anyways. Spry as fuck riding his motorcycle, riding his Harley around town. Um, but I was thinking, in my opinion, Charlie, why didn't you invite your mom for a you little shit? She's literally the breadwinner. Well, he kind of was the breadwinner, I guess, like if we're thinking literally here. But she... Has, like, the job at the laundry. She's working her ass off as a single mom to provide for these four, like, elderly people plus her young son trying to get him through school. And the first person Charlie thinks to invite is his grandpa who can't even get out of bed. Charlie, fuck you. That is not okay. That is very rude. The mom's probably like, yeah, sure, I'll just go fuck myself. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, I'll watch the three grandparents while you guys go lolly, like, fucking having a great time. Guess I'll just go on my 18-hour laundry shift while you guys are going and eating a lifetime supply of chocolate, you fucking assholes. Make my cabbage water assholes. God, 
That was I that I put on Charlie. That's that's on him, I think. I also think the other con of Grandpa Joe here, and I would like to get deeper into this if we are ready for a small transition yes. but Please. the other scene where grandpa joe i'm just like you're the fucking worst dude is <laughs> all of these kids make mistakes as we go along through the movie but charlie's mistake is egged on by grandpa joe grandpa joe's like let's steal a sip yeah. shall we right really good point of this this fizzy fizzy lifting drink drink so mm-hmm. Grandpa Joe's like, come on, Charlie, let's steal it. <laughs> that he blatantly, Willy Wonka blatantly tells them, don't drink it. It's not ready. And they've seen what happened to Augustus. They've seen what happened to Violet at this point. And they're like, let's just chat out. Yeah. And, and every, everything that the child, that the kids are doing throughout the movie is like such a specific mistake to do with being a child. Right. And what we, what is now a very popular um, theme takeaway from this book and from this movie is, did you read about this? Like the seven deadly sins? No. So. Ooh, gluttony. A very popular takeaway is that the seven deadly sins are represented by the kids and by fucking grandpa fucking Joe. So. Who's lust? We this lust is a little shaky, but I feel pretty confident okay, in, okay. in who lust Let's would be. Let's get into it. So we have um, gluttony as our boy Augustus. Augustus, sorry, Augustus. Maybe just like cupped the chocolate water, but you dove right in. Save my buddy. some room for later. <laughs> uh, also, and just I'm not trying to defend everybody on this podcast, but uh, Willy Wonka did say everything. Everything in this is, room edible. is edible. <laughs> He didn't say, but don't go towards the river. So Augustus was like, oh, this is amazing, you know, so. Emily, that's a great point, and I actually like to change my answer. You know how much I love chocolate milk. <laughs> the first shit I would have gone yes, for is yes. I would have gone straight, you know this, I would have gone straight yep. to that fucking river. You would have gone that wax buttercup and dipped it into the lake. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So our boy Augustus, who drove right in, is gluttony. Our girl Violet is pride. Right? All mm-hmm. of her, her competitive spirit. Uh, Veruca is greed, of course. Of course. Mike TV <laughs> is sloth. <laughs> That's amazing. Grandpa Joe is envy. Ooh. Willy Wonka is wrath. And Charlie yep. is lust. Just lust, lusting over the chocolate. So. That's a wow. that's a popular theory is that our seven main characters in this story are are all supposed to be modeled after the seven deadly sins, which the redemptive arc of this movie is, of course, that Willy Wonka is punishing these children for being flawed because he wants the perfect inheritance of his kingdom, only to realize that he himself is flawed. He is one of these these bad things, and so he chooses wow. the, the least of the negatives of the seven deadly sins to take over. That's super fun. I love that theory. It's interesting, right? Yeah. And I have a, can I piggyback off a question please, now please. that I've had for you? Yeah. So my question is, do you think that Willy Wonka through himself or through Slugworth planted any of the golden tickets? I love this question. And I think absolutely they, right? I think they planted all of the tickets. Because my, my question, so as a viewer, my question was because 
for the majority of the kids who win the golden tickets, you see the newscast of them. So like if, from my understanding, if this is being, you know, reported on, they would have had that tip beforehand. So Slugworth could have gone, you know, to these, you know, places knowing that the tip has been made. He knows that these people are the winners and he goes and you see him on air whispering to That's these a good kids. Point. That's a good point. But we don't see him. We see him on the scene for two people. We see him on the scene for Veruca Salt immediately. Like, how, do, how is he supposed to know that, like, they're going to find one in this giant factory? And then the second one is for Charlie. Yeah. He, like, pops out of the tunnel and is like, hello. <laughs> I think, do you agree that for sure at least Charlie was planted? I don't know. I think both of them were sketchy to me because we get the backstory for both of them, whereas with the rest, we just have the newscast of them. Right. And I'd like to think that maybe, let's let's say for argument's sake, Charlie's is planted and only mm-hmm. Charlie's is planted. We could say that since he was the last one to get the ticket, that Willy Wonka was had seen the four kids and was yep. concerned and dissatisfied with the pool of kids and so he looked so far as his old, old his own town to find a poor kid who was down on a look who looked like he had a good heart, and he planted the ticket for old Charlie Bucket. Yeah, I like that too, though. Maybe had a lot In of Munich. hope for him. In cute little Munich. Cute little Munich, which is very story town. Yeah, like I like that how Mel Mel Stewart, the director, said that they wanted to find a place that was not recognizable, like you know, like a New York in LA, whatever it might be, London. <laughs> and he was like, I want it to have that storybook quality. Which about it totally it, does. It, looks, it totally does. Like the old buildings, like even the Wonka factory, like the giant gate. Yeah. It's it's very beautiful. My favorite thing is how confusing at the beginning of the movie, like all of the accents are. Like it's never said where yeah. the chocolate factory like, actually is, right? Because the teacher is British, British, but Charlie and his family are American. <laughs> American. I don't, so it's kind of confusing. Also, I would just like to say, deep cut, you know the little kid at the beginning of the movie who runs into the classroom with the red turtleneck and he's like, yep. the last golden ticket's been found. That kid yep. looks exactly like Liza Minnelli. <laughs> You're not wrong. Same hair, same eye width apart. <laughs> you gotta buy Wonka bars! <laughs> That's it. That was my Amazing. whole comment on that. Class dismissed. Child. Class undismissed. <laughs> Class redismissed. <laughs> I like. I love that science teacher. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's very funny. I was like, why didn't this guy have a more fruitful? Or maybe he did have a good career. Yeah. Speaking of that guy, and British men in this movie, um, <laughs> we talked a little bit about how Roald Dahl did not like this movie, and specifically, he did. He was really upset. He thought Gene Wilder was. A bad casting decision. He thought this was very miscast. Wrongo. There was quite. I, yeah, agree. I think he's a, a mastermind, yeah. and he's so perfect and dark and great for this. There was a long list of people who were considered for this role, but is there anyone else that was on that that list that kind of like tickled your fancy, or you would have maybe been interested in seeing as Willy Wonka? People who are interested in this role, doll. I'm done. <laughs> um, yes, roll, Fred Astaire roll dolly was my number grave. one. <laughs> roll dolly, rolling and rolling along in his grave. Um, but I think that there's two. Well, I guess like technically seven total. But I was surprised that Fred Astaire 
was considered for this role. Do I think he could have done it? Yes. He's very different, but good. Yeah, yeah. Very different. I think he would have more physicality to the role compared mm-hmm. to the like improvisation with the lines. And then the entire cast of Monty Python. <laughs> that was my was answer. So cool. <laughs> That's why I said speaking of Which British men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of British men. <laughs> because John Cleese as Willy Wonka would have been wonderful. And they were like, so all, they all wanted to do it. This was a sought after yeah. role. People were yeah jones in to be willy willying to they be were... jones <laughs> god damn it that was funny <laughs> was um can i do my this is a well-known fact about the movie but i want to say it just because i love it so much please 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 so we know so again gene wilder as we know and who we love is just he's just made for this role like he's the best so when he was considered for the role he said the only way he would sign on to this movie and this project was his idea of the introduction of Willy Wonka. So Gene Wilder says the idea, it was his idea to come out during the celebration when the five winners are waiting to come into the gate. It was his idea to come out with a cane walking with a limp. And then of course, as we know, he walks out, tumbles, does that like fantastic somersault really really good form unlike the oompa loompas who cannot do a cartwheel for their lives um so yeah fuck you oompa loompas yeah fuck you guys try harder um so gene katie and i always whenever anybody so katie did gymnastics growing up i'm really glad i thought of this but when katie did gymnastics growing up if somebody did a shitty cartwheel she would automatically deem it an oompa loompa cartwheel so she'd be like they can't even fucking do a cartwheel and say fuck they can't even do a cartwheel it's like an oompa loompa cartwheel so just screw those people shitting on oompa loompas her whole yeah, life child yeah katie but, you um, better make a order... scathing oompa loompa graphic katie oh my god can we be... i can't wait I can't. for that also side note speaking of characters i was also violet beauregard for halloween and i wore an inflatable blueberry suit um i have pictures i'll post it on instagram yeah it's important to um, preface that this was like two years ago not like two yeah, decades ago recently i wasn't a small child i was a fucking full-ass adult wearing you wore it costume. you wore it to work i i came to work in blue face <laughs> anyway we got a lot of we had so many weird looks on the way um but worth it yes yeah of course yeah always um, but going back to the Gene Wilder, Wilder of it all, he said he would only send on to this movie if, so he's walking out with his cane and his limp does a somersault. He said that he wants to do this because from that moment on, from his introduction on, that means that nobody will know if he's lying or if he's telling the truth, which I think is so beautiful. And it's true and it works and it's exactly who his character is. Like that's the essence of the character of Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. I feel like he just... To your point of the movie being better than the book, I feel like for that to happen, you need a piece of the puzzle like Gene Wilder. Like you need someone to come in and maybe understand whether it's a character or whether it's the entirety of the film hook or a sequence. But I think in this case, it's Gene Wilder understanding Willy Wonka on a level that the character didn't even previously inhabit. Like I think that he took this character and he gave him this dark edge like this genuinely dark disturbing edge that made the yeah. perf- the perfect amount of sense where even it makes just as much sense as a child as it does as an adult like you you mm-hmm. aging and you growing up does not make Willy Wonka make any more or less sense 
absolutely. I think it's more confusing as an adult trying to like dissect what his motives were. Right. And it could have been so tempting to either one do what I think the Tim Burton film was totally at fault for, which is going so on the end of the childlike spectrum that the character makes no feasible sense. Or you could have kind of veered a little bit too far off the Gene Wilder path and gone a little bit too dark and disturbing and tried to maybe give the character too much of a reason or too much of a backstory where right. it's, it's like, we don't need any of that. We, don't need we to... just need this weird man. <laughs> this could easily be a horror film. Yes. If oh. you think about the context of it, which would be hilarious. Okay, so speaking of it potentially being a horror film, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do these kids die? Like, are they dying throughout this movie? Good question. I think no. Uh-huh. Maybe just because of the Johnny Depp version. Where we see them all. all. The Tim, yeah. the Tim Burton version. And just, like, I love the fact that, like, they they juice Violet. And then she's, like, really limber and can do, like, back handsprings and stuff now. Because she's like, whoa. <laughs> um, I don't think so. Because I don't think that he is a malicious... I don't think Willy Wonka himself is a malicious person. I just think that he's living in this world of, like, whimsy and fantasy which we see, like, we, and I think we're introduced that, I think that I'm willing to suspend my disbelief, where I'm like, this is not all black and white, he's not just killing these kids if they get sucked up, which, like, normally you'd be like, yes, Augustus would have fucking died, or whoever would have died. Um, But the fact that we have characters like Oompa Loompas, who are in this, like, kind of fantasy world that we've never seen before, I was willing, when I was a child, to just understand, yes, of course they survive, You know, there's a glass elevator that can fly. Like, of course, these kids can survive because he's telling us that's so. What do you think? I don't know. Same as you, I never questioned it as a kid. Like, as a kid, I was never like, are they all dying? And it was not a Yeah. Like, the only scary sequence, same for me as a kid, was um, the SS Wonkaton boat scene. Um, Yeah, fuck that boat. None of the kids' uh, deaths or songs at all yeah scared me but I don't know as an adult like I just think it's so odd that they don't tell you like yeah which is why the Tim Burton version I think wanted to answer that question so badly and they're like no they're fine look at them yeah but I do agree with you though that I don't think that this is a bad man Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a bad man I think it's a very um odd and specific man but I don't think that he's just like ah well Guess that there goes another one. All right, yeah. on with the tour. Quite, again, questionable role model for sure. And again, yeah. I think that can also be summed up in the end when, in theory, Charlie's the last person standing. So he asked, you know, they were like, well, where's our lifetime supply of chocolate? But because of the legality of it, which I think is brilliant, again, understanding that as an adult more than when I was a kid, how they signed that document going into the factory. Well, no. And I also think it's so funny that they had, like, he quotes the Latin that's on. Yes. <laughs> that's in the document. There is, in this the vein of this conversation, there is one kind of dark detail here, which I did find in my research, with, which does kind of, if we do want this to be a horror film, I think lends to it being a very smart one, which is when the SS Wonkatania does, does pull up, there are only the number of seats for the number of people who do get on the boat. So there are not two empty oh. seats for Augustus and his mother. So it could That's be, cool. it could stand to reason that Willy Wonka knew exactly what would happen in that room and 
was just prepared to take those four children onto the rest of the tour. So you're saying that he's manufacturing the experience. I think there's a world in which that could be the case. Do I think that's realistic? Maybe not for Rule Doll, but maybe it is for this Willy Wonka. I don't know. Yeah. I do think that there is a path to explore with him being a fucking psychopath. I do. Yeah. What about what about going back to the vehicle of it all? What about the Hasana Wakana? The I don't even know if I said that right. The Wonka Wash spelled backwards yeah. at the very end, like Mike TV and his mom, Charlie and Grandpa Joe, and then Willy Wonka. Right? I'm assuming there's the same amount of seats on that vehicle. Yeah. When they're going. Yeah. Interesting. I have a question that I think answers this question about whether or not Wonka is, is in it for the good or the bad. So we get that scene okay. at the end of the movie where he's like pissed, right? His wrath scene, if you will, where he's in his weird little half office, actually kind of cool yep. little half office. Yeah. Is he angry there? Do you read this as him being angry? Not because of they drank the fizzy lifting liquid. But because he knows that Charlie has an everlasting gobstopper stopper in his pocket? Like, is that the test that he didn't pass yet? Is that why he's mad? I think so. And that's a really, that's a really good question. Because when I was, again, when I was younger, I was like, why is he so mad at Charlie? I wasn't understanding the reasoning behind that. Like, why is he so mad? But I think it was a test. I don't, I actually don't think that he was actually mad at Charlie and Grandpa Joe. You think he was faking it to see? I think that it was a that test. That was the test. Yep. I see. Yeah, I think so. Do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I like, I like that theory. And I would also just say that that's the third nail in Grandpa Joe's coffin is that he's like, yeah, fuck this guy. Let's go sell this everlasting gobstalker. Like, yeah. And then that's when, and actually that's when Charlie, he was walking out before then. And that's when Charlie turns around and goes, Mr. Wonka, and then drops the gobstopper. So he's going against Grandpa Joe, a role model he realizes he does not want to be like. He is not guiding him in the right direction Whereas he wants to be with Willy, he has watched Willy Wonka the entire day. He goes, no, I'm going to do right by myself. I'm going to do right by Mr. Wonka. Here you go. Wow. I don't think Grandpa Joe deserved that ride in that glass elevator. That's all I'm. No, like it should have been again. It should have been the mom. It should have been Charlie's mom. I think that she should have been there. I don't know the source material for the sequel. I have not read the glass elevator, but I think that what should happen is that Charlie and his whole family, besides Grandpa Joe, should go get to live in the chocolate factory, and Grandpa Joe should have to go make his own living. <laughs> That's what I think. I lo- <laughs> I love it so much. He rides his Harley vroom vroom around. <laughs> um, I also think that Charlie's mom is like, "Fuck you guys! I'm sick of this shit." Goes off, becomes a witch. Bam, the witches. Yep. Another Roald Dahl book. Yep. They're all book, another connected. movie. Yeah, the underrated yep. multiverse is the one of Roald Dahl, I think. Yeah, that would be fun. And then you know who Ugh. Charlie's great-great-granddaughter is? Matilda. Fuck yeah, it is. Yes! That would be really fun. But kind of, I guess, to wrap things up on the role model of it all. So it's cool that we kind of did come to that conclusion that at the end, Charlie makes his own decision because he's been watching Willy Wonka, who has been, of course, questionable. Totally. The entire time. Right. But I feel like what Willy Wonka 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 is doing isn't cruel, but... Even Gene Wilder in an interview said that uh, the mo- like people would watch the movie, like parents would watch the movie initially and say, oh, he's being cruel to the children. And Gene Wilder's point was like, no, it's not cruel. It's more that children are being told about these limitations. And that's why Willy Wonka, like that's what Willy Wonka does to Charlie. So in the end, they hope that 
the message of this movie is that your child ultimately makes the right decision for themselves, which I think is a beautiful message. And that's why I think that this movie is timeless because it's true. Yeah. We, we just talked about it. Grandpa Joe's leading him one way and then Charlie makes his own decision independently from whatever he's being kind of told to do by these adults. Yeah. I love that. You know what? And I agree with you. And I do think this movie is timeless, not just because of the adventure and everything we've talked about in the storybook quality of it that just like takes you back this visceral memory Mm -hmm. and the fact that this place made of chocolate could exist and you could win a ticket to it like there's that aspect to it that's so fun as a kid but also like leaving all of the adults out of it charlie is a great little role model for kids to look up to and that was really ruled Dahl's specialty i think when writing books is writing child characters that we could relate to and look up to and even though he has, he's surrounded by questionable adults besides his mom, God bless her soul, and he's surrounded by horrible kids, like, Charlie never falters, and he's just fucking rules. So, fucking yeah, to Charlie. Yeah, and I think we knew that as children growing up, we knew why those kids were being bad. We're like, oh no, they're not behaving, they're not following the rules, they're being, they're not obeying their parents. I think as, like, children watching that were like that is bad behavior charlie's obviously like the epitome of good behavior we want to aspire to be like charlie to do what he wants to do even when they drink the fizzy lifting drink that caused me anxiety as a small child i was like he just said don't do it why are you guys doing it it was a weird decision that i thought was a little bit uncharacteristic of him to do but again grandpa joe was the one egging him on yeah we've all the best kids succumb to peer pressure of course. He's human. I guess it shows that they're human. Yeah. And those bottles were delicious. sitting fucking open and ready for drinking. Yeah. Yeah. But like, is it worth it? I'd rather like lick more wallpaper. The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> I would also just like to say that I think another point that lends to if we want this to be a horror movie, just the fact that in the fizzy lifting room at all, there's a giant fan at the top of that room for absolutely no reason other than imminent murder and punishment for whoever was going to drink the beverages. Can you imagine if they just got like chopped up? (laughs) It always bothered me though as a kid because I'm like, there's a fucking like beam in between you and the fan. Just like hold on to the beam. Yeah. That's always burping and farting their way out. You would do great getting down because you're a really good burper. Oh, I love burping. <laughs> My mom would be so pissed. I'd be like, bye. <laughs> Floating down, burping, and she's just like still going towards the fan. Bye, Kim. She's just shaking her have head. Fun being, have fun being polite. <laughs> um, I guess kind of to wrap things up, Madison, going back, uh, I guess I want to talk about the child, the actors in this movie really quick yeah. to wrap everything up. Because yeah. I think it'd be fun to talk about them because – the only person who kind of had a an acting career after this movie came out, a few of them dabbled in it, but then they went on to have like more full-time jobs, um, was it was Veruca. So Veruca Salt still does voiceovers um, and also was in acting, also uh, became a certified fitness instructor. So good for Veruca. Go Veruca. Um, Augustus, Augustus is a tax slash public accountant tax accountant Augustus. good for him 
Augustus Violet also uh, first went into the medical field and then became an accountant as well. So I feel like there's a theme with the accountant of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike TV went into production, so he was like a PA, and so he was more behind the scenes, which I think is very fitting, and I love <laughs> that. Classic. He also went into Walt Disney Imagineering, which I thought was fascinating. Cool. Before becoming a financial consultant. So all these kids are like doing these things and then they're becoming these like other, you know, full-time jobs that are like in the normal, I guess, uh, in the normal world, I guess you can say. Yeah. But my favorite is Charlie. So uh, he went on to become a veterinarian who specializes in like dairy works, like cows. Yeah. (laughs) And now he, he does like public speaking at schools, which I think is very sweet to be like, you can do anything. See, like I was a child actor, but then I also went on to do what I loved, which was being a veterinarian. So very sweet. Going back to our initial uh, question at the top of this episode if you could have anything from any movie what would it be fictional real doesn't matter oh my god i have it's a hard question i have an answer oh my god i feel like i already said mine i already went with limitless pill that's what you would choose yeah for now because that's not top of mind okay i mean oh my god or like no. What? The Pussy Wagon from Kill Bill <laughs> Volume 1. You love the Pussy Just Wagon. Just kidding. Can you imagine me driving around? I would get so much fucking shit for driving around in that. No, I'm going to go Limitless Pill. I want to learn three languages. It, I want to get rich, but be smart. But like not the but not the version of the pill that's like, I have to wean off of it and like die. I want to get the one that's uh, that Bradley Cooper developed okay. to be strong and normal. I have two answers. And, okay. and I think our answers to this question will be ever-evolving, right? So more to oh, come on later episodes of the podcast when we realize how bad our initial answers were. Yeah. But my initial answer, one, I would be the invisibility clo- cloak from Harry Potter. Yep. I know mm-hmm. that might not really even be one. the most practical, but I've always wanted to, like, see how it feels. I've just want, I want to touch it. And then it would, of course, be useful, but, like, I could get a wand. But I want that cloak. I want the no, cloak. The cloak is cool. I it's want the comfy. cloak. Um, and my second choice would be, like, I'd like to reach in and just grab food from, like, any Miyazaki movie. Yep. Hell yeah. You know? I have another one, too. Hit me. There's, like, a Chanel makeup machine from the movie The Fifth Element <laughs> that she puts <laughs> on her face. And you just stick it on your face, and it, like, prints the makeup on your face perfectly. That would save so much time. Imagine the time we would save and the women we could become. Right? Oh my god, beautiful women in the future. Beautiful women in the future. Augustus. Beautiful women. Augustus, save some room for later. <laughs> Why was that not my quote earlier? I don't know. Um, but Madison, thank you for uh, for talking about Willy Wonka and all so the weird fun. shit he does in this movie. Um, the lessons we have learned were beautiful, but I don't care about that shit at this point <laughs> of the podcast. I want to hear what we're talking about next week. Please tell me what our movie and genre is. Emily, uh, this week we are traveling to a place not not so far from where I am now. We're gonna we're gonna stay in Seattle, Washington, this week, and we're going to travel back to the early two thousands. Um, and you know what? We're gonna go to high school, and we're gonna watch Ten Things I Hate About You. And Whoa! We are going to talk about the best of high school romances. Hell yeah! So exciting. (laughs) 
and other Shakespearean spinoffs. <laughs> I almost chose that genre, but I know that you wrote that genre down initially, and I didn't want to. I did. I didn't want to steal it from you funny. because there's another but really good movie to choose from it. Of course, so and I was we like, all know what it is. We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna take it for Ten Things I Hate About You. And I consulted with yep. Peter about the genre choice for this one, and I feel really good about. Let's talk about the this best of high school romances. And we're Are gonna you going to do the monologue that she does at the very end of the movie? Can I can you do, do that, that shit top? right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> um, Beautiful yes. Madison. Uh, the other option was like in just highly quotable movies because my God. I don't quote anything from this movie. So I'm very excited for. Nope. I've only watched this movie probably in its entirety one time all the way through. It is a work of art. It is a perfect screenplay i can't wait to talk about the not another teen movie of it all yeah as well absolutely you, know I love that you, do. you do but this is so fun i'm very excited to talk about this and watch it because i haven't watched it for a super long time so now we'll actually pay attention to it um this is great sit down and watch this is a funny fucking movie this is a really really good movie I always, when I was growing up, I thought that Julia Stiles was like insufferable as a character, but I feel like that might change now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so interested to hear how you feel about okay, Kat okay, Stratford okay. when we come back next week. And you know how I also love little JGL, so that'll be fun. Little JGL. He's We've very sweet. Keith Ledger in his absolute prime. We don't deserve him. Yep. It's yep. the whole cast is all star cast. Ugh, I truly can't wait i'm very excited yay all right madison well thank you for that that was very fun the episode i'm excited for next week and if you haven't done it already please follow us on instagram our handle is at real friends pod uh rate review and subscribe and tell tell whoever have a seance and tell gene wilder that'd be great it'd be really cool i'd appreciate that give him some chocolate for us please and that's showbiz baby that showbiz baby bye 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 if you want to view paradise simply look around and view it anything you want to do it want to change the world there's nothing to it